Welcome once again, everybody, to the brink. On this beautiful day, that is the day that you are listening to it. It's exciting to be here with Mallory Burton in the background. Yeah. That is that. Yeah. Okay. Um. How's your week been? Good. I bought a bike. <laughs> you did. Tell tell our listener about the bike. It was one hundred fifty dollars, and silver and purple, and spike. Now, when was the last time you had have ridden bike? Have you ever like actually had a bike where you've ridden it to school or work or anything like that in the past? No, I've had a bike though. I've always had a bike. H- how often did you actually uh, use it though? Not very. So, so what brought about this sudden urge for you to have a bike? As I have trans- been saying since we moved here. Just saying. Which has been a year now. We've been in Chicago for a year. Yay. That I want to buy a bike and I want a bike to work because I figure work is a lot closer to here than, yeah. So you rode to work today on the day of recording this I and um, any interesting moments with cars or anything along the way? No, it was actually very quiet this morning, which I was quite appreciative of, appreciative of because I was a little bit nervous about riding in the city. Because no. this is I a... turned on the wrong road. I forgot to tell you. Where did you, what did you do? Where'd you I go? I turned on... Is it Gala Street where the uh, umbrella is? No, that's um, uh, no, that's not Gala Street. Gala Street's the street past the park where you drive down where the keto truck parks. Uh, yeah. You're thinking of Yar? No. no, what is that street? Um, yeah, I know the street. You're I about. I turned down the wrong street. I turned one street early when I was going to Starbucks, and so I had to like cut through this little alleyway to get where I was going. But other than that, it went really well. Do so. You drove through the park as well. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, and you parked it okay at at work. It was fine. You. I I walked it through the front door, and. Uh, did people comment on your new bike? Tash said. Tash literally was like, "Oh, I rode my bike to work once. Never again." It's like, all right. I don't like Tash. Um, <laughs> I hope she listens to this, but. Um, well, I'm very happy for you that you got a bike, that you went through with that, you achieved it. Uh, how I'm long, pretty excited about it. How long do you think we'll give you until you give up on... Actually, I shouldn't say that. A week? Like, well, okay, in a week. You're, you're not very confident, but I shouldn't say that because you've been decent enough with the gym. You know, we're five months into the gym, four months into the gym, and you go pretty much every week, so... I think I'm also more excited about my bike than I was when we got our memberships at the gym. True, true. Um, also, uh, during the week, um, I got my Canadian visa. Which is exciting. I, I'm officially legally allowed to work in Canada for up to two years uh, from the day that I arrive in your beautiful country. So Start applying for jobs. Yes. And I also went to Auckland this week and I thought I'd missed my appointment to get my fingerprints done at this little Canadian scanny place in downtown Auckland. So, Were there any Canadians there? I feel that everyone in there were of Canadian origin. Like, I mean... They I, they didn't really sound Canadian, but I kind of like, I don't know. I would assume they would be part of, maybe they get shipped out here to work. I, I really couldn't tell you. Um, I Yeah, I mean, Canadians, it's a multicultural country. So, you know, in terms of their accent, they didn't necessarily sound it. But in terms of looks wise, I mean, they could have been Canadian easily. I, I don't know. So is that a, is that a valid what answer? What does a Canadian look like? Uh, it, it looks like anyone because a Canadian can be anyone. Canada is everyone. That's accurate. Is that what I'm trying to? Is that our new slogan? Um, I don't know. Just Canada, in... you could be anyone. 
Justin Trudeau could come up with that now to come up with something potentially. Uh, also, you and I this time next year will officially be married, so um, you've got a year to get away. So pretty exciting. Yeah, <laughs> that's the level of excitement involved in marrying Ben Waterworth. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> like that. That's it. That that's all that comes out. Pretty exciting. Yep. Just uh, thought I'd share that with you. So, um, yeah. All right. Cool. Um, let's move into some other things. Dirty Our Pies time when you get excited to hear a classic episode of our classic radio soap opera. And I can't even say it properly. Soap opera is what I'm trying to say. This is time for the second part of the second season, which is what we're going to hear right now. Previously... On days of our past. It appears that newly elected Prime Minister of Australia, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is coming to Ramsey Bay for a visit. I'm glad that you can tell me this, Jennifer. I hope we can get closer, and I really want to know more about you. Oh my god, Daddy, what was that? Oh my gosh, the town's police station's been bombed. Like pastry in the oven, these are the days of our past. I'm Lisa Jones, and these are the days of our pies. After a whole year without nothing exciting happening, a dramatic bombing of the town's police station has sent Ramsey Bay back into shockwaves. Town policeman Frank Cakeman has been called out to the scene of destruction, with neighbour George Pyman, who is still in disguise as Florge Griman, as he doesn't want his ex-wife Jennifer Cakeman, know he is still alive, coming along for the ride. Oh my gosh! This is horrible! After so long of peace, this just happened the night before, the biggest day of our small town's history! I know, this is just so coincidental, considering nothing has happened here for so damn long. But who, who would want to do such a thing? I don't know, Florge, but I tell you, they think this will prevent Prime Minister Arnold Schwarzenegger from coming to our fine town. They're greatly mistaken. Meanwhile, across town at the local store, a fancy car has pulled up outside. In it are the store's new owners, the Cover family. They have come from nearby New South Mania in a hope to start afresh, and so far are glad with what they see. You check this out. What a beautiful town. Such a peaceful town. An amazingly inspiring town. I like it so much, I want to sing a song. Oh, how I love this town. Oh, my God, Dad. Why must you always like me? Totally so embarrassing. Oh, my God. I'm like so blogging this moment. No, no, bed. Leave your father alone, please. Honey, I am glad we have made this decision to completely change our lives and uproot our daughter to move to this town we have never heard of in hope that it will make for an exciting change. What could possibly go wrong? I have no idea, my sweetums, but let's just get inside, set up our things and open the store. I want to meet every single person in this town and... And make them feel warm with the cover family. Make them want to hold out. Oh, my God, Dad, I'm like totally going to my room. Back at the remains of the police station, Frank continues to search through the rubble for clues as to who bombed the police station. Well, check this out. It looks like a fingerprint. That's Madafan police work, Frank. Finding a fingerprint on a speck of dust. Thank you, Floyd. It's amazing what they teach you in the academy. I'll tell you what, though. I don't recognize this fingerprint, so whoever did this came from out of town. But who, Frank? We haven't had a visitor to Ramsey Bay since the alien attack. I don't know, Floyd. Wait a minute. Jennifer sold her store to some out-of-towners just last week. I wonder if that's a coincidence, or are they involved? Ah, Jennifer, 
Why did you have to sell the business? And why did you marry Frank? And why, oh why, must I keep my secret from you? Vlog, are you okay? That was very random. And you sounded very much like an old friend of mine. Oh, I, um, just ignore that. Hey, what's that car coming down the street? It looks like a hammer. All of a sudden, a large black hammer with Australian flags on the bonnet pulls up. A man in a suit with glasses steps out first before ushering an extremely large man in a suit. It is the Prime Minister, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh my gosh, Prime Minister Schwarzenegger, you're early. Yes, that's right, Frank. I heard about the explosion and I'm here to investigate. Will Prime Minister Arnold Schwarzenegger be able to help the investigation? Will Duna, Sheet and Bed Cover be investigated and connected to the bombing? Is Jennifer alright by herself at home? And what dramatic events can happen this early in the season? Find out next time on Days of Our Pies! Oh, Drama Central. Drama.com is what I like to say. So, if you want to find out what happens next, you'll have to tune in next week to find out what happens in Part 3. You like a good quiz. Yes. Now I didn't realise that was a statement towards me that I had to respond to. Remember when we very first started this, um, we did some sporacle thingies. And like we started off with like guess the NHL teams and then it was like guess the countries and all that sort of stuff in a certain amount of time. Now, you and I, during the Better Mouth Radio, Radio Southland 96.4 FM, download on the website and listen Wednesday at 8pm live New Zealand time. Uh, we do our top 10 guessy thingies. And this week I challenge you to name the top 10 NBA teams. Oh. So I thought that we could have some fun with this today and give you six minutes to name as many of the 30 NBA teams as you possibly can. How are you feeling about this? Not good. Now, I think, though, what you can probably get away with here is you can probably tell me the city, and I'm assuming it will accept <clears> it. So this is one of those websites where you've got to type it in. So you could say a city and, you know, it will give you there. But you also got to remember that... There is at least one city where there are two teams with the same city name, and then there's another city where there's two teams, but one is based on one of the... You're making this too confusing. Well, we'll think about the two biggest cities in America, right? They both have two teams. Okay, just just giving you a tip. Okay, so do you, are you ready for this? We'll pretend. All right, so I feel like you need to lean into the microphone more, and I can sort of lean back here I and type for you. Oh, oh out, that's all right. <laughs> we're just banging into each other here. This is fun. All right, you, you ready? No, I'm too far away. <laughs> Move down. All right, I'm moving over this way. You can lean into the microphone. Ready, <laughs> set, go. Boston. Okay, Boston, right. Does that work? Uh, oh, God, you've got to... No, do you have to type in the... Oh, you've got to do the whole thing. Oh, oh no. I'll help the you out. The Cavs. All right, do you remember where they're from? Nope, Cleveland. All right, well, if I just type um, in the Cavs, what does that do? Oh, yep, okay, right. Okay. The Raptors. Yeah. The Clippers. Uh, yep. The... Who's the other Los Angeles team? The other Los Angeles team? I don't know. The most famous. They were number one on this list the other oh, day. Oh, the Lakers. The Golden State Warriors. Um... You're doing well. Six out of 30. Seattle doesn't have a team. Their team used to be the Sonic. Yeah, but they don't exist anymore. Um, Houston? Who are, who are Houston? <laughs> who knows? They are the Rockets. I'll give it to you. Um, Dallas would also have a team. Yeah, they are the Mavericks. Um, if I can spell the Mavericks. Maverick with a K. Yep. Um, New York. We talked about this the other day because it's not the Mets because that's the baseball team. It yep. is. Yeah. Joey always talks about it. The Bulls. In- I realize that's not New York. 
Um, New York n, n, New York ni. Knicks. Knicks, correct. Um, there's another New York team. Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to say. So they're not called New York. They're called they're they're from a borough of New York. Think of the long. So you got Manhattan. You've got Queens. You've got Long Island. You've got Brooklyn. Brooklyn? Correct. They're the Nets. They used to be New Jersey. Oh, there is a team called the Nets. Well, they oh. were the New Jersey Nets, but then they became the Brooklyn Nets. So there's no team in New Jersey Not now. Anymore. Can't no. guess that. Um, Miami Heat. Correct. Um, Tampa? No. No? There is another Orlando, Orlando? team. Orlando, yeah. yeah. Uh, I meant Florida team. That's what I meant to say. They had the Magic. Um, do either of the Carolinas have a team? Uh, yes. Well, That's my entire guess. Uh, well, Ch- Charlotte. It's Charlotte, North Carolina, so they're the Hornets, yes. Yeah, I got that. Um, Northwest. There is a team from a state that you like, which Oregon. is... Yeah. Which they would be from... Portland. Portland. They're the Trailblazers. <laughs> <laughs> That's their only professional team. The Seattle team uh, moved. Now, I gave you a clue the other day. Uh, the New Zealand player plays for this team. They remove, They moved to Oklahoma City. The team that plays for Oklahoma? Thunder. Oh, I knew that, actually. All right, think of the other cities. Think of the other cities. Um, Where have you been in America? Not a lot of places, honestly. Oh, Arizona would have a team. They're Phoenix does. They're the Suns, yes. Um, does Las Vegas have a team? No. No. Um, let's think here. Um, the capital city. Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't have a basketball team, no. The capital Washington. city. They are the Wizards. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, a city I'm very fond of where there's lots of Mormons. Oh, Atlanta. Uh, think about that again. Well, Atlanta does have a team. I'll give you the word. <laughs> But uh, Mormons, what city do Mormons come from? The it's a state. I wear that red jumper. It's got the name of the uh, state on that jumper that I wear all the time. Utah. Yes, the Jazz. What? Yep. Uh, think of um, where Anthony lives. I've been to a game in that city. Minnesota. Oh. <laughs> and they are the Timberwolves. There you go. Um, the they have wo- awful names. It, well, I'll give you the worst in all of the league. The New Orleans Pelicans. That is, to me, one of the worst mascots in all of sport. Uh, who else are you missing here? Um, you've got the Texan teams. Uh, where am I going blank here? Um, oh, there's... Uh, you wouldn't get the Sacramento Kings, capital of uh, California. Uh, who else are you missing here? The Nuggets? Nuggets. Denver Nuggets. Um, Again, awful names. Pistons, Detroit. So there's five to go here. Oh, God, I've got to come up with these now. Um, who's in the Atlantic Division with Boston, Brooklyn, New York, Toronto, Philadelphia, the 76ers? Oh, I should have gotten that one. Uh, I so Actually, that's one that I know. Central Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit. Who else is in that area? Uh, Milwaukee, the Bucks. <laughs> Um, gosh, three to go. This is where it's tricky. Who am I missing? There's obvious ones here that I feel I'm missing. Think about the playoffs last year. We beat the Warriors. We beat the 76ers. We beat the Bucks. Uh, we beat the Magic. Um, we've said the Trailblazers. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, 
Oh, God, the Spurs. Oh, we haven't got all the texts. I hate the Spurs. Uh, all right, two more. Who are we missing here, Mallory? Now, I'm starting to panic. Um, who else is in that central area? Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, Milwaukee. I'm trying to think of all the bandwagoners who wear the shirts um, of what teams. Um, oh, it's 28 seconds. We've got two to go. This is gonna. This is going to hurt me. Um, who have I seen live? Um, ah, oh, no, 20 seconds. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Uh, they're going to be two really obvious ones, aren't they? Um, yeah, this is not good, is it? I got bored like two minutes ago. Yeah, it's not the first time I've heard that. All right, who are the two that I've missed? I've given up. They're going to be so obvious. The Grizzlies. Oh, Vancouver. Also the Pacers. I knew that one. Yeah. Oh, Memphis Grizzlies, of course. Formerly Vancouver. Well, not bad. You got some of those. So, um, good job, team. Good job. Classic interview. That's my introduction. I don't actually have an introduction for this. We've played a few of our classic interviews with some former Winter Olympians. We had Stephen Bradbury's interview play a couple of weeks ago. Uh, We also had Sean Weiss, who wasn't an Olympian, but he, of course, played... uh, well, an ice hockey player, which is in a Winter Olympic sport. So you see where I was getting the segue there eventually. But uh, one of my favourites that we did back in 2014 after the Sochi Winter Olympics, David Morris won a silver medal in the men's aerials. And what a character this guy is. Such a fantastic person to chat to. Spoke to him uh, last year, I believe it was, in the lead-up to the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics on our sister show, Off the Podium. But this is the first ever time we spoke with incredible David Morris, And this is our classic interview for this week. David Morris is a two-time Olympian in the sport of freestyle aerials. And earlier this year in Sochi, he became the first ever Australian male to win a medal in the sport. I spoke to David about just how amazing it was to win that medal, whether or not he's actually taken the medal off since he won it, and just what perks he can try and get by wearing that medal into certain shops. David, welcome to the Brink and Edge Radio. Thank you very much for having me. It's a massive pleasure, mate. I mean, things have obviously been a bit of a whirlwind for you uh, in the last few months, as it's supposed it's been a, an interesting journey. I mean, four or five months ago, not many people in Australia had heard of you, and now everybody's talking about you. It must be a lot of fun. Yeah, just sort of went you know under the radar leading up into the games and stuff. Didn't want the extra pressure, and then obviously, you know, I met all the great. I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't so super surprised either. But afterwards, everything just went kind of crazy. It's been just super intense since then. Yeah, I can definitely imagine that. I mean, did it sort of surprise you when you got back at the the reception that you have sort of been getting? I mean, I've been looking at your social media and a lot of people very excited to meet you, a lot of the engagement from the fans on Facebook and Twitter. It's just sort of been incredible. Yeah, it was actually, it was a surprise. Um, You know, we don't have the, we didn't have a TV over there to sort of see what was going on. So when I came back and it seemed like there was a lot of hype over the Winter Olympics, which is is a surprise in its own. It's not as popular here as it is in other countries, fair enough. You know, we're a summer nation and things. But um, we came back and there was all this exposure and people sort of knew who I was and could walk down. Okay, I couldn't quite walk down the street and be recognized, <laughs> but the occasional person would. So, um, no, but it was really good. It was a very positive response by the media and just everyone, so it was, it was a privilege to be part of that. Mm, I, I remember actually the morning uh, when it had happened, uh, we were on air and we were sort of going through the results and we'd noticed that you'd won this medal and it, it, I think a lot of people sort of weren't expecting it. I mean, you mentioned uh, before that kind of there wasn't a whole lot of pressure going into you in the games, unlike some of our other athletes. Did that sort of help you with your preparation for the event that you didn't have this sort of weight on your shoulders that you're expected to win a medal? Yeah, I um, purposely didn't really talk to the media about my expectations going in because it does add an external pressure that you just don't really need when you're just there to concentrate on your job. I 
sort of just said, look, I'm just going to do my jumps and see what happens. But realistically, in my head, I was expecting a sort of a top five and my team was expecting that sort of result from me. So we got it and it wasn't a surprise to us because we've known, you know, we know we've put in the work for the last 12 years to sort of get to this, but people tune in every four years to watch the Olympics and they haven't heard of us before. So they suddenly see a result and someone who hasn't talked themselves up and it seems like a surprise and I'm happy to ride the surprise wave because it comes off very well, but in the end, it wasn't a surprise to us that we did very well. It's what we've been training to do for a very long time. And t- how did you actually get involved in, in the sport? I mean, as you mentioned, winter sport's not exactly huge in Australia. Was it something that happened by accident? Uh, I was just doing some flips in my gym one day. I was about 19 years old, so I was actually sort of relatively old uh, to start the sport. And Kirsty Marshall came in, and she was um, an ex-Olympian in the sport, and she noticed me doing my flips and offered to train me out at uh, Lilydale, Lily which is near my house. It's our, you know, Australia's best training facility into a leech-infested pond. And she said, hey, would you like to be the only boy on the team? I'll train you for free. So I just happened to meet her on the right day at the right time, and she introduced me to the right people. So it was just by chance that I got started in the sport. I wouldn't have pursued it otherwise, never heard of it, and it turned out pretty well. Wow, that's that's an amazing thing to sort of think that. Kirsty Marshall, huge champion in, in the sport of aerials, um, sort of, you know, multiple Olympics and everything yeah. along those lines. We've had such success in uh, women's aerials across the years with, with Lydia and, and Alyssa across across the years. So, I mean, to be that first male in the sport for Australia, I mean, that must be a huge honour to get that medal. It really was. Um, obviously, you know, an Olympic medal, it's a pinnacle of our sport and it's just a privilege to have an Olympic medal altogether that be to be the only boy on the team to achieve that as like, you know, the one possibility in men's aerials to get a medal and I managed to do it. That was an absolute privilege and it blew everyone's minds. It was great. You know, we have trained for it, but it just sort of just proved to us and everyone that the work was worth it and a lot of people put in so much time and effort into me and it's a bit hard to have, you know, just one boy on the team. So it just showed that, you know, it was worth all their time and um, I let everyone know that you know, they've put in so much work for me and I appreciate it from the very start because a lot of people have helped me out from the start. It wasn't always easy, but I found the right people to help me out throughout the whole thing. And I um, wrote everyone a little email afterwards saying, you know, thank you very much for supporting me, believing in me since day one, and look what we got. Fantastic, fantastic. Have you had many people come up to you since the, the medal win and say, hey, I, I really want to get into aerials now after seeing you in Sochi? I think we actually have two boys who are just starting... Um, trampolining as part of the sort of winter teams now, which has never happened before. So I'd like to, you know, claim it for myself. I've pioneered this just a little bit and it might be starting to allow some boys to start or at least look at that sort of as a, as a possibility. So that's actually what I've been trying to do for a long time is just initiate a small men's program or something to sort of, you know, start some foundation in that. So they might have done that already, which is great, because that's what I've been trying to do for many, many years. It seems that every year, when, well, every four years, I should say, when the um, the Winter Olympics are on, Australia's team grows and grows in all the, the various categories uh, that there are in the Winter Olympics, and uh, given now that we sort of have the success on your side, if we can get those people in to, to men's aerials, that obviously then brings a the question about things like funding yeah. for uh, the sports uh, facilities. I noticed on your Twitter that the only ramp uh, in Australia for you guys broke about a week ago now, so I mean, this is obviously bringing into question now where's the funding for the winter sports I can imagine yeah um, that's it. and the funding is a very tricky question I, I'm not going to claim that I know a lot, all, everything about it um, our aerial team definitely gets the funding that we need um, we're, like, we're supported very well through the government you do have to sort of earn the privileges so the, the more results you get the more you get paid for so like I have coaches paid for and training paid for and then as you get further and further up in the rankings like last year I finished number two overall in the world so I get the flights to the competitions and things paid for now, which is obviously very handy for me because then I can just concentrate on that stuff. But 
Um, there are other things that we need, like a nice training facility, because we really just don't have one adequate for, you know, World Cup level competitions. Um, and but there are a lot of other sports within the winter teams that don't have the same funding as we do. So, you know, we always like to complain about what we don't have. But if I if we look at the whole picture, and especially for me, I get what I need. There's other things that we could have which could be very helpful, but there's also other teams that don't get the same sort of privileges as we do that need probably more than we do at the same time. So it's a it's a toss up between, you know, who do we, who do people give the funding to? Because the aerial team, we're one of the most successful winter teams that we have. We you know we got two medals at these Olympics. Um, we do get the results, so we do sort of earn the additional funding. So I can see how other people think that's unfair, but you know, unfortunately, we're sort of just a number on the page for some, you know, in the government and. They give uh, money to the statistics sort of thing. So we do what we can. We ask for what we can get. But um, end of the day, it's up to other people where the funding goes. We just take what we get. Yeah, well, I mean, five out of Australia's 12 Winter Olympic medals in our history have come from aerials. So, uh, yeah, we I do think, pretty I think, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty much 50%. One thing that, that fascinates me with the Winter Olympics is that uh, going into it, there was all this expectation on so many people, and then when the results don't necessarily come, people are quick to blame. But, I mean, I sort of grew up, David, watching the Winter Olympics and the days that Zali Steger would get a bronze and she was treated like a queen. It was amazing that we could win one bronze. And now these expectations, you know, do you think they're maybe a little bit too high that we haven't sort of achieved that level that Australia can sort of win as many as we maybe expect? Um, I yes and no. Um, the problem with uh, winter sports, I think it's just a just little a misunderstanding that when people watch the winter sports, they expect that the best people can win on the day, and it's unfortunately not like um, this is being you know just my opinion. Uh, summer sports to me, like if you're the fastest runner, you're probably going to win. If you're the fittest swimmer, you can make the long distance, like you win. But in winter sports, you can make the smallest mistake and crash out, and that's the end of your race. It's so cutthroat and. Anything can happen on any given day. And us as athletes, and I guess since you've followed winter sports, you understand that anything can happen and you can't sort of rely on just the best person of the day winning every time because that's just not how it works. And we get used to that on a weekly basis. But when people watch the Olympics and they sort of expect the same sort of thing as in summer sports, like, oh, this person's meant to win. Yeah, they are meant to win. They're probably good enough to win. But if you get just unlucky on the day because of the weather conditions, that can change everything. So... I understand why the expectations are high, but realistically for winter sports, you just can't look at it that way. And we've accepted that as athletes, that you can be the best in the world and come last. Like in the aerials and the men, the world number one actually did come last on the day because he had a bad day. Yeah. And that's just unfortunate. Yeah, and that's what I absolutely personally love about the Winter Olympics. I like them more than the Summer Games because it, it fascinates me. It's entertaining. I mean, there's sports that as Australians we're not used to, to seeing. And, uh, I mean, case in point with you, you're in that final four um, you know, 75% chance of a medal. You've had your jump. And in a way, you kind of got to hope for people to, to sort of muck up, don't you, in order to win that medal? Yeah, it's a, tr- it's a tricky place to be in because um, I'm actually very good friends with all the guys I compete against. So I was up, you know, I landed my jump and I was just like, oh, I really hope you guys get what you deserve, but I, don't, I wouldn't mind if you want to, you know, put a hand down or have a lie <laughs> down on the hill. That's totally fine as long as you don't injure yourself. So, you know, when uh, Anton, who won the medal, when he landed, I was I was disappointed for me for a second because that was the gold medal gone, but he absolutely earned the gold. Um, and then the two other guys from China crashed, and I was disappointed for them personally as my friends, but, you know, I was just a little bit more happy for me, so it's a <laughs> tricky situation. But then, of course, everyone watches and goes, oh, you know, Dave came second, he's so good, and in you know reality, I just had a very good day that day. It wasn't purely luck and it wasn't purely skill. It was a good combination of both. Like I was trained enough to land my jumps perfectly and make the right decisions and we planned how the competition would go out six months ahead. 
but you do have to get a little bit lucky on the day with a couple of people crashing, but people suddenly went, oh, Dave's really good. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I am good, but don't judge my whole career off this one day that you watched. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, I remember going back uh, in time to when Stephen Bradbury won the gold, for example. Many people called it lucky, but yeah, um, I can, we've had I can Stephen on that, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we had him on the show, I've read his autobiography, and it's sort of, you know, the lead up to that, um, you know, day as well. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's fascinating. And it's also amazing to see, David, since you've got that medal placed around your neck, to me, it seems like you've never taken it off. I mean, have you, have you, ta- have you taken it off at all, David? Yeah, it's, it, it's always within sort of, you know, a 10 metre radius of where I am. And people <laughs> are like, oh, did you bring it? I'm like, funnily enough, it's in my pocket. <laughs> um, no, it's great. I do love it. And I like I like people to feel like they're a part of it and hold it and have a look at it because I get a lot out of that. So, and I say it when I talk to kids. I'm like, look, you know, I won this on the day. This is this is great. I get to keep this medal, but it's worth 12 years of effort. And I like people to sort of get into that and realize that it's more than just one day. And they hold it and they're like, oh wow, you know, I was up watching and I talked to my friends and we talked about this the next day. And these are people I've never met before and I've managed to have an impact on people. I've never met and that's really important to me so I like it when people want to hold it and want to feel like they're a little bit a part of it because in the, in the end they sort of are like I'm representing Australia I'm representing everyone whether they like it or not you know through how we show ourselves on the, on the TV and stuff so people who want to be a part of it I'm all for it. Well, if I ever won an Olympic medal, I would literally never take it off. I just, I wouldn't care what color it was. <laughs> I'll just get it fused into my chest like Iron Man. Yes. <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a superhero in there somewhere. I think. Uh, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the honor as well continues, sort of representing the nation, as you're mentioning there, uh, carrying the flag out there into the closing ceremony. Was that kind of how was the thrill factor compared to getting that medal around your neck? Can you compare the two? Was one better than the other? Um. Well, I would say. Well, it is tricky that one because the medal was such a long process in the making. Um, but having the honor of carrying the flag was, you know, I was chosen out of the whole team to represent everyone for how I you know, conducted myself for my results. And it's another moment that you just, you don't really get to do. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Maybe I get to do it again if I'm lucky, but um, the medal, that all happened so quickly and it was so intense, but the flag ceremony carrying in, I really took my time and sort of absorbed everything. So that was sort of nicer that I could really enjoy the moment knowing that it was coming and understand the significance of it. Whereas the medal was like, boom, I won. Oh, my gosh, here's all these crazy things happening. So it happened so quickly. Um, they're very different, but they were both they were both amazing in moments that I will absolutely never forget. Do you get to bump shoulders in with a lot of the other sort of athletes carrying their nation's flag? Anyone cool that you got to chat to along the way? Oh, well, there are a couple of gold medalists beside me. I was like, hey, do you want to swap? I like your colour more. And they're like, I like the silver <laughs> colour more. I was like, if you wanted to swap them over, that's fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone, everyone there is an amazing athlete and, you know, the results, unfortunately, like we're saying, for winter sports, the best person on the day might not win. So there's a lot of results that sort of go unnoticed, but the effort that everyone put, even just to get into the Olympics, is absolutely outstanding. It's just it doesn't show on the in the newspapers at the end of the day. Some people came like 10th, but that's the best result they've ever got in their whole life, and they did it at the Olympics. It's fantastic. So you walk past everyone in the village who's just amazing at something, and yeah, for sure, all the flag bearers were exceptional athletes, but... We're just one big group of people who are standing for something that's bigger than us individually, like the Olympics. I finally realized after all this time how important it is to be a part of that. It's, you know, sport unites people together. Everyone around the world tunes in to watch and all these problems that we have just can sort of be pushed aside for a little bit because you just sport just brings everyone to cheer and cry for, you know, one team, even if they're not yours. And it's just, it's such a powerful tool. And to be a part of that's really important. And I finally realized that after many years, 
that I have the power to sort of influence people's decisions a little bit and say the right things and promote, you know, sportsmanship and leadership and the right morals and things. It's, it's just huge. Mm, and a very unique club too that I can imagine is an amazing feeling. Now, I want to wrap up, David, and set with our final five. But just before I get to those, uh, training for you, I mean, given that uh, you've sort of come back now, you've, you've been doing everything you've been doing, is training something you've started again? When do you sort of get back into actually competing again? Oh, I technically never stop training, so... Um it's one of the, it's like, it's a job, um, except so when I'm home and relaxing, I'm technically just recovering for our next session, wherever that may be. I have been on the trampoline. I've been doing lots of running. I'm starting to get back into the gym just to sort of make sure I'm fit enough for when I do decide to start again. I'm just taking a little bit of time off at the moment just to let the body recover because I've been wearing it down for two years, basically. So I want to wake up one morning, just really want to return to the sport because at the moment I'm just, I need to find the motivation to you know, set myself another four years because it is a long time. If you ask anyone, what are you doing in four years? They don't know. I don't know either and I don't know if my body will hold up. So the morning that I wake up and I decide I'm ready to go back, I'll head straight back into it and it'll be great. I, I hope it happens. I really want it to. And I'll just, you know, I'll train, train for the next Olympics and try and get a gold medal next time because now I know I'm capable. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I was going to say, that's probably the question most people are asking you. Are you going to Korea in uh, 2018? But- so my official answer is yes, I'm going there. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day where I'm motivated to start it properly. There you go. There you go. I can imagine that the season, um, I mean, coming into the Southern Hemisphere is winter at the moment uh, as opposed to Northern Hemisphere. I mean, uh, uh, when does sort of the actual proper season start again? Does that happen later in the year? Uh, we the actual, yeah, So we're all, you know, all uh, Northern Hemisphere season. So that's usually December that we, or November, December, we head over to Finland for training and then start following the World Cup around Usually about now, within the next month or so, we head over to the US to train in their summer, and we train off a water ramp. Right. Off a plastic ramp into water, so we spend four months over there training in their summer, come back here for a little break, and then head back over again for the winter, so we're not home very often. So our season... Even though the winter's actually quite short, we're ten- we're travelling all the time and training most of the year, 10 months of the year. Wow, so you're either getting wet or uh, getting wet with cold snow. Yeah, pretty much. It's either warm and you're soaking or you're trying to keep warm while your toes are freezing. Off. It's, it's not the best. Sometimes I wonder why I didn't take up sprinting or something. <laughs> oh, well, you never know. Uh, that could be something that you could look at. I don't know. Uh, final set of questions for you, David. I know these are very fun, uh, easy way to e- uh, end the interview. Starting off with question number Number one, what is your favourite type of cheese? My favourite type of cheese, <laughs> I would say, oh, Swiss cheese. Cause you, I can just eat it on its own. Yes, yes. Now, uh, are you sort of when you go to like a subway and they try and force the cheddar down your throat, are you straight away like, nut? Nah, give me some Swiss, none of that cheddar rubbish? Pretty much. <laughs> like, excuse me, give him, give him my choice. I get to choose everything else. I'm going to choose my yes. cheese as well. It kind of does, makes the whole sandwich. Yeah, well, they're very forceful now, I've found, actually, when they straight away just say, cheddar cheese okay? It's like, no, it's not okay. I want my Swiss. Just like, is Monopoly money okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you should try that next time. That might work. Uh, yes, it, yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to toilet paper, are you a fold? Or a scruncher? Oh, scruncher. Scruncher. No hesitation. Got there. things to do. No, no time to be, you know, careful. I'm like, I'm, don't want to stay in there all day. I want to get out and get on with my life. I just get it done. You're in and out. You've got to go out and win Olympic yeah. medals. Come training, on. Training. Uh, growing up, what was your dream job? Dream job. Uh, originally, I wanted to be a vet. Mm-hmm. Then it sort of turned to being a pilot. And then I realized I had to really study for those quite hard. And then it sort of, they went out the window <laughs> and it ends up being... A teacher, not that that's any worse, but it's like, you know, teacher, I like that, but 
wasn't prepared to study that hard to become a pilot. So right. that would have been my original one. You know, maybe an astronaut. That's quite out there. But yeah. Well, you fly, kind of. You go up high and yeah, stuff. Yeah, not in control of it. And I want the plane to leave and I have to wait for them to do it for me. So I'd rather be doing it myself. Yes, yes. Uh, also growing up, who was your childhood celebrity crush? Oh, that's a, oh, that is a good question. Would have been, let me think. Probably like Christina Aguilera. Ah, yes. And now it's moved to Mila Kunis. Oh ah, my yes, yes, indeed. She's um she's on everybody's list at the moment. I feel. Um, Sorry, everyone. Silver medal. I always get priority. <laughs> yeah. I can step back in line. <laughs> yes. Well, look. I tell you what. You get you get her, and then you hook me up with Natalie Portman after seeing them in Black Swan together. I'm set. So. <laughs> okay, we can make a deal. You call your people. I call my people. Set it out. Done. Done. It will work very well. Uh, final question for you today, David Morris. What is your worst habit? My worst habit, uh, probably not being able to sit still or stand still when I need to. Right. Like right now I'm talking to you and I'm pacing around my house. <laughs> I literally cannot stay in one spot. When I'm interviewed, I feel like I want to move around. People have to follow me. I just can't sit still. I have to be fidgeting or doing something and it leads to like nail biting or I have to eat because I just have to be moving at all times. It's quite frustrating for me and everyone else around me. <laughs> I could actually see that as being a fun sort of interview, like pacing around with you with the microphone. It's sort of, you know... Yes, all right, let's go skiing while we're talking. Please keep up. Yeah, absolutely. And look, you could become the first ever aerial skier to maybe be interviewed mid-air. Uh, I don't know how that would work, but... It'd be a very quick three-second interview. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm studio speeding landing. Okay, done. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might, might not work, uh, perhaps what we're thinking of, but uh, they can work some something out. Uh, David, pleasure. Of course, people can check out uh, more on you, of course. Aerialskier.com is your blog. Follow you on Twitter, Aerialskier, and on Facebook at Oz Aerialskier, and it's always fun. Yeah, I just own the Aerialskier all over the internet. You do. Get it out there. Yes, exactly. You're the only one out there that people need to care about. That's right. I mean, you can care about the others, but look, pretty important. I have a medal now. (laughs) You can believe what I'm talking about. Like, kids now, they suddenly listen to me. I'm like, I've told you the same things last year, but now I'm wearing this, now you pay attention. Great. (laughs) That's what you should do in Subway, actually. Walk in there with the silver (laughs) medal, and then maybe (laughs) they'll ask you for sweets. What would you like, sir? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) None of this cheddar garbage. You're an Olympic medalist. Uh, (laughs) Best of luck, mate. Hopefully we'll get you on before uh, Korea, when I know you're going to go on and win gold. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, best of luck for everything that comes your way in the future. Thank you very much. Or it would also be appropriate to play a bit of a snippet from one of our former shows. Well, not really former shows, our current shows. That makes more sense. As uh, if you're not sure, we have 10,000 other podcasts going around, including a new one that we started recently, Australian Survivor Archives, which gives you the history of Australian Survivor. It's a fun one. Download it. But uh, Colin and I over on the Oz Network have been recording our Star Wars recaps. And you're not going to hear this one for about a month or so. We're uh, only up to Rogue One this week, I believe. But this is us recording a little bit of our Force Awakens recap in the lead-up to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. And here's a bit of fun we had with a certain actor that appears in The Force Awakens. I think Lupita Nyong'o is totally wrong for this or did a terrible job. Because I don't buy this as being a thousand... Yoda is like, ah, I am a thousand years old! And she's like, hi, I'm Lupita Nyong'o in a Star Wars movie! (laughs) (laughs) That's how Lupita Nyong'o walks into every room. Hi, I'm Lupita Nyong'o! At the Academy Awards! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Peter Nwongo. Hi everyone, I'm the Peter Nwongo, presenting your Best Actor nominees! 
I nailed that Lupita Nyong'o impression, didn't oh, I? Oh, I was there. Uh, I thought she was on the line. I, I was like, wow, <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o's on the line. I'm, I'm honoured. I pulled Lupita some strings, Wongo! people. Go. <laughs> I, want you, I want you to do that now for an hour when you are. I'm Call of Duty and I'm a right for work. <laughs> With Lupita Nyong'o. You <laughs> take the beginning of this episode. Hi, my name is Colin Ilbig, and I'm here to podcast. <laughs> we are joined today by Lapita <laughs> Uh <laughs> I just can never see her now without thinking of her walking into her. I'm Lapita Wango! <laughs> I can't wait till we get to the moss scene. It's the first time I've been excited to do a moss scene now for the last year. <laughs> so, the real introduction here is we just hear a regular voice going, Han Solo! I'm Lapiro Hongo! <laughs> Now that you say the hard solo, which is like hard solo, the legitimate like, the <laughs> you See, it's, it's sounding more realistic now, isn't it? <laughs> see, I told you she's brilliant in this role. Like, I'm telling you, I, this is why. Because she's the pit of the Wongo. <laughs> Coming soon in 2021, the Oz Network does Lapita Wongo Month. <laughs> we gotta make that happen. <laughs> Done. Rene Russo Month in 2020, followed by Lapita Wongo Month. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I don't buy <laughs> Moss as an old lady. <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o, you'll never hear her name the same way again. But uh, stay tuned. Go over to the Oz Network, like it, subscribe to it, and find all the fun of the fair that you're going to hear over there. Because believe me, it's more entertaining than this show. (laughs) Time to close it out. Uh, Happy November, by the way. Happy November. Um, Remember, remember. Happy Christmas. The 5th of November. No, it's uh, Guy Fawkes night this week, fireworks. Remember we got here last year and Mm -hmm. there was fireworks. I still don't really understand who he is. He was a guy who did things. I just know him from V for Vendetta, a Natalie Port movie. Good movie. Um, it's based on a comic book, but that's about all I could tell you. Um, is he? No, he's English, isn't he? Brit- British, yeah. I don't know if he's English, English, but he's British, so could be both. I don't really know. Um, you made a lemon cake today? Any want to share anything about that? No? It's not very nice. It's just stretching out a bit. Um, we watched Little Women last night. That was pretty boring. He's wrong. It was wonderful. I went and saw Terminator Dark Fate this week. It was pretty shit. Um, glad probably you didn't waste your money on seeing it because, yeah. And other than that, I don't know what else to say. So, you know, happy times to close out shows. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter. We do have Twitter. Okay. Um, subscribe <laughs> on all our relevant podcast channels. Listen to our other shows because they're good. Well, Mallory's not really into them. She's not really into this either. All our radio show, but she just does it. And I guess we'll speak to you next week. So keep sucking those oranges, Hobart Cargill. And good anighter. <laughs>